Our scripture reading today is taken from Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 7. And our message today is entitled, The Book of Acts, Diaconal Ministry. Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 7. This is the word of our Lord. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. Good morning, everyone, once again. Please look around, say hello to each other. Say good morning to one another. It is a pleasure and a, a joy to gather together as God's people. And when you look around you, you see people perhaps that you do not know. And perhaps you see people that you've known very well, you know very well. But either way, when we know that God's spirit has come into the, our lives, we know that God has connected us together in a way that is that is mysterious, but in a way that gives us comfort. For the Holy Spirit connects us together as family, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And in fact, when we look at each other and we see God's Spirit pouring out of us and our need and our love for the Lord, we can say, aha, here is someone who knows the same Father that I do. Here is someone who knows the same Jesus as I do. And it gives us comfort in knowing that in many ways you're not alone. It gives us comfort in knowing that when Satan comes to tell you that the truth of Scripture is a lie or that your faith is a lie, that you can see someone else saying, no, Jesus is real. The Savior did die and rise again. The Spirit does live in me as it lives in you. And together we can affirm even in our sins and even in our struggles and trials that God is present. That our faith is not a delusion. That our faith is not weak. We may be weak at times. But God in his grace and his mercy 
has poured out his witnesses to all of you. And even though one may stumble, another there is to pick that person up. For we know that the Lord is here and the Lord is good. So welcome once again to CCPC. Welcome to this church. Welcome to this place where we strive, sinful though we may be, to make Christ first in all things. Christ lives here. And you'll see here at our church that our hearts are exposed to one another. We are not a quiet church. And neither do I want us to be a quiet church. We are a church that shares. We are a church that, that un uncovers things. But why do we do that? Because we know that Jesus himself is present and can indeed heal all things. No lies, no half-truths, no desperation, but just Christ and his infinite power working in us. Here in Acts chapter 6, we see the beginnings of the church once again. And to recap very briefly, we see that God himself first sent Jesus Christ to minister to the world, well, to Jerusalem and to Judea and Samaria, just that small area of the known world. And through Jesus, he did many, many miracles. And Jesus himself preached about the good news that all should repent and all should come to the kingdom of God because God's kingdom is coming today. And many people heard the news of Jesus and they came to see. And as Jesus performed miracles and healed people, they realized that this person was more than a prophet. And Jesus continued to teach that the Son of Man, the Son of God, He Himself must lay down His life. And then one day He will take up His life again to be resurrected. And that in so doing, his death and resurrection, he would bring salvation to those who believe. Not many people saw this news as an anathema. One, how can a prophet die like this? But number two, how can someone who dies and, and rise again, how can that cleanse sin? But the apostles who heard, who heard and understood, the disciples who heard and understood, understood that this was good news, that God's Spirit would one day reside in them, and they would intimately know God from now to all of eternity. Acts picks up on that story. Jesus, Jesus ascends into heaven and gives the disciples his Spirit. And the plan for God was to, to establish the church of Christ, the church that Jesus loves so much, the church here, even CCPC, that Christ loves so much, the churches that you came from, that Christ died for. And by the Spirit, everyone heard the gospel in their own language. 
and by the Spirit, everyone was drawn near to God, not through an intermediary like a priest or a prophet, but directly God's Spirit has come upon you and you know God. God's Spirit has come upon you and you read God's Word. You hear God's voice. And many, many people came to know the Lord. Peter would preach the same gospel in and around the temple. That same simple gospel. Right, brothers and sisters? This is not like a paper you have to write in school or grad school trying to come up with something new, something creative. This is the same simple gospel that we are dead in our sins, that we have opposed God, that all our troubles, all our tribulations, all the things that make our hearts sad, all the things that cause us to stumble, It's because of sin. And we ourselves are part of that rebellion against our Lord. But the good news is you just need to repent and believe. And that's what Peter preached over and over again. And that same simple gospel message is what brought thousands and thousands of people to the Lord. This was a great awakening of the church of God. Thousands of men, plus, their, plus the women and the children. Now here is the interesting part, though. As the apostles were teaching, the 12 apostles were teaching, they were simply teaching around the temple area. And during that time, people were making pilgrimages to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast. And so they were coming from different parts of the diaspora. So Jewish people who lived in different places, Jewish people who've lost the Hebrew language, Jewish people who actually would read the Bible, their Old Testament, not in Hebrew anymore, but in Aramaic or other languages. And they would come together, though, to make their pilgrimage in Jerusalem. And as they would come, they would hear the gospel. And people were coming to know Jesus. So imagine, you're preaching the gospel. Everyone in Jerusalem is coming to know Jesus. What do you do with all these people? <laughs> this is like burning man, but to the umpteenth degree. Because they're not bringing their own food. They're not bringing their own water. They're not bringing their own shelter. These are people who have come just to, to bring their sacrifices and offerings to the Lord and have come to know Jesus and decided that they need to stay here longer because at this point, there was only one church, one place where the gospel was being well, taught. And so we saw that the disciples, the, the people of God who came to know Jesus, they started selling all of their property. They started selling everything they had because they saw that something great was happening. And as they, the apostles would gather the, 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 uh, the donations, they would use that to feed the people and to house the people who were coming. They, they needed to eat. They needed a place to stay. 
But as the needs began to grow more and more, they realized that, well, we can't handle all of this. As this movement grew, as the church grew, the apostles realized they can't handle the preaching of God's word, the teaching of God's word, and attending to the needs of the people that are around them. And so a complaint rose up between the Hellenists and the Hebrew, well, Christians. So who are the Hellenists? Again, they were the, the, the Jewish people who came from the diaspora to the temple to worship. Most of them probably did not speak Hebrew and, or know the Hebrew language anymore. Probably Aramaic and Greek. And then you had those who resided in Jerusalem who spoke most likely just Aramaic and Hebrew. And there was a clash between these two generations because the, the daily giving, the daily givings to the widows were going more to the Hebrew widows than to the Hellenist widows. And there was an issue that had, this issue had rose up and it was starting to, to cause a little friction amongst the new people at the church. And so the question arose, how do we deal with this? Now for many of you here, I am not sure what type of church you grew up in. I'm not sure how you think when you think about organization. But most of us, when we think of organization, we, we see a need that comes up in our organization. And we try to do our best to come up with a job description that fits that need. And then we try to figure out through our HR people uh, what type of person, what type of skills they need to fit that job description. And then we look for that person and they, we say, go and, and, and work, do your thing. Do what's needed. And in, in many ways, we, we sort of look for whenever problems come up to simply sort of plug holes in here and there, create new positions, create new jobs, restructure over and over again. We'll have office buildings with cubicles, no cubicles, windows, no windows, private offices, no, I mean, whatever it may be, we, we try different things. But God had a way to organize his church according to his plan, according to what is good for the witness of the gospel, according to what will allow the simple message of Jesus' death and resurrection to be best heard. And isn't that, isn't that what's the most important? If you work in the HR department and you know you work for, for a certain product that is being made, your job really is to make sure that product that is out there is known, it's clear, it's sellable. No confusion. God has done the same thing even more in organizing his church. The apostles said, listen, 
we cannot neglect the preaching of the word. Because the gospel word that Jesus has come to save is the power that changes people. But the same moment, the same time, we need the gospel to continue to bear fruit amongst God's people by the service of the people, serving the people within the church itself. And so the apostle said, Hellenist Jews, pick among yourself men who can help with the daily distribution to the widows. Pick amongst yourself men who fear the Lord. Pick among yourself men who fear the Lord and know the good news of Christ. And here's something that's beautiful about God's kingdom. Deacons are chosen by the people themselves, not by an authority figure who tells you who will serve you. So they looked amongst themselves, and they picked six men who, who feared the Lord and loved the Lord, who are full of the Holy Spirit. And if you looked at the names of these six men, all of them were Hellenist Jews, not Hebraic Jews. They were looking to maintain the peace of God among the church. They were trying to make sure that all the people in the church of God were being served and served well. And they were brought before the apostles, and the apostles examined them and ordained them, laying on of hands to signify God's blessing and their calling to become deacons in the church. Now you may ask the question, what is a deacon? What's the purpose of a deacon? Now, there are many ways to get around this, but I, I would offer you this. A deacon is not simply someone who's good with money. A deacon is not someone who's simply strong and can move chairs. A deacon is not someone who is, is, is good at organization. A deacon is more than that. You see, at this point in church government, we have the apostles and the deacons. Later on, we'll see that the apostles fade away, and we have elders, and we have deacons. And you'll see that the elders and the deacons, the, 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 um, the, the, the prerequisites for them to become either an elder or deacon are exactly the same. The only difference is for an elder that they're more apt to teach. But in terms of their character, in terms of their ability to, to, to share the good news with people, in terms of the way they, 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 they raise their families, it's all the same. In many ways, a deacon can become an elder. A, a deacon has the same gifts as an elder. But I think the deacon's central purpose, and, and, and what I see here, the deacon's central purpose is to keep the unity and peace of the church through works of service. Let me say that again. 
the purpose of a deacon is to keep the, the peace and unity of the church through works of service. They're not there just to do something and walk away. They see a need within the church, and their whole idea of thinking is simply, how do we fill this need in order that the church as a whole can be blessed? How can we serve the church, the, the, the daily givings to the widows? Perhaps when we have these, these community groups and making sure all these community groups are, are being served well. The deacons are the people who look at the church, at the church as a whole and say, what can we do in works of service to help this church to grow in unity and love for one another? It's an important position that the Lord has, has given to God's people. And it's a position that all of us, all of the men here, should aspire to. And all of us together to pray for those who love the church and love to see the unity and the peace of the church to continue to grow. I would dare say here at CCPC and, and whatever other churches you might have come from, you might look at a deacon, you might say, oh, he's the deacon is kind of not as bright as the elders. The deacons are more blue-collar than the elders. The deacons are just there to clean up and to do works of service, but they don't really know much at all. That is not the role of a deacon. A deacon is someone full of the Spirit, could actually serve as an elder to teach and to share the gospel as well. And we'll see next week when Stephen is martyred. He gives one of the most eloquent speeches in all of Scripture of the good news of Jesus. A man full of grace, full of God's word. Now, why is this important? You might be sitting there going, this is kind of a boring sermon. <laughs> Let me, teach me about Jesus. Teach me how Jesus loves me. Teach me how Jesus is caring for me. Teach me what I, what I need to hear today. There will be some messages that you'll hear that. But the gospel and, and, the, and scripture, believe me, it's, it's more than just about you and your current needs. God is gracious and that he builds this whole structure for you. And even though you may not see exactly how it matters to me today, you will see as you continue to grow in the Lord how important good deacons really are. It's just like a parent, right? A kid does not understand the structures you're building them. But you're just like, we, we need to do this. We need to wake up in the morning, you know, we need to, to, to read scripture in the morning and pray together. You, you need to eat your avocados. You know, we, we build this whole thing. They might not understand. 
But as ministries grow and as people grow, inevitably there needs to be organization. It just happens. Inevitably, there needs to be leadership. Inevitably, someone needs to serve. God has ordained a church government that allows peace and unity to reside, that allows the gospel to be preached. If not, one, what happens? If we follow our own ways for church government or how church should run, who will run the church? It's basically the loudest, the wealthiest, the one with the most influence. And God says, no. Those are not the ones who should be serving me. If we don't have a church government that is in scripture, what do we do? We look to models outside in the world. And we take those models and bring them into the church. We have history in every culture. Whether it's Western Europe and Western European churches, whether it's Asian and Asian American churches, where we have took their models of leadership and it has collapsed individual churches. And when a church collapses, our own individual faiths and the faith of the people collapse as well. So it's incumbent upon all of us to strive for the organization, that church, that the scripture teaches us to have. And the first thing here that we need to see is we need good deacons. We need men who love the church. Men who love to do works of service to maintain the unity of the church. Men who do it in such a way that they have nothing but the gospel interests at heart. Second is this. The apostle said, listen, it's good for us not to do this, not because it's a bad thing, but because they're called to preach God's word and, and, and to pray. One of the things that you can do to help me, and if you belong to another church, to help your pastors to be faithful in their calling is not allow them to get bogged down with lots and lots of work that prevents them from preaching and teaching the gospel well. Because in the end, people change because we hear the gospel, the good news of Christ. And it's not as if the elders or the pastor is like better than you guys. We just all have different callings. That's it. We all have different burdens to bear. But we all do it together for the sake of Christ. My joy as a pastor in this church truly is, is when I see our members love one another and bear with one another well. 
My joy really is at times is when someone comes to me and says, Pastor Young, don't worry about this. We got it. Go and just share the gospel with people. Preach the gospel. Counsel people with the gospel. We got this other stuff. And in many ways, this is the body of church working together for the Lord. So how does this benefit you? Well, like we just heard, when the structure of the church is built like God wants it's us wants it to be built, the gospel is preached and, and we are encouraged. The gospel by the deacons is shown and we are served and we serve one another. And the gospel is shown in the whole church that when outsiders come, when guests come, uh, they see Jesus in our midst, alive and well. Brothers and sisters, I implore you here at CCPC, let us not make church in our own image. Let us not ask for structures that are outside of Scripture. But let us keep in step with what God is doing. For surely God knows what is best for all of us. Let us pray. <coughs> Father in heaven, we know that you are all wise in all things. And Lord, we confess that there are times, well, there are many times, Lord God, when we question your wisdom and your way of doing things. We think we know better. We think that we are wiser. We think the gurus of the day, the podcasts that we listen to, the leadership forums that we attend, that all of those things, Lord God, should be the basis of the church. And although though there's much, still much wisdom to, to glean from them, we know, Lord, at its core, the church must be built according to your word. And Father, we see, Lord, that deacons must be men full of the spirit who love your word, who can articulate the gospel as well. People who love the church and is eager to maintain the purity and the unity, to serve the church as a whole, that the church itself may, may be loved by works of, of goodness. And so, Lord, we pray even in this church, in CCPC, this, this very young church, that you would put in the hearts of men, Lord God, a desire to serve you the desire to serve this church. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you know what's best for us, that our faith are, are not simply individualistic faiths, Lord, but it's a covenant, communal faith that we have together. So we thank you and we praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.